Hello! Welcome to Clockworks, a Legion podcast. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we're having another bonus episode where we're talking about uh, Legion comics. So we're going to be talking about uh, Volume 1, which includes issues 1 to 6 of X-Men Legacy. It's a comic series that ran from 2012 to 2014. Uh, the subtitle of it is Prodigal. You can find it on, we found it on Google Play. We You can find it on Marvel Unlimited. There'll be a link in the show notes. But if you, you want to... You might even be able to find it in your local friendly comic neighborhood comic book store. Absolutely. We found several of the individual issues in our local comic book store. We bought so that a few we could the, both read it at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> and then we also bought it digitally because we're just that kind of folks. So we will have a link in the show notes to where you can buy it digitally, mm -hmm. but also if you Google X-Men Legacy Volume 1, yep. you'll be able you'll to, be find able to it. find it. No problem. So I think what we'll do is we'll treat uh, the whole six issues kind of like a single episode of a TV show. We'll talk about the individual episodes the same way we'd, we would talk about act breaks or sections of the show. We'll give a little recap of each issue, yep. talk about the things that happened in that issue, and then when we're all done... We'll talk about some of our thoughts about the whole thing. And then when we're done that, maybe we'll have a few thoughts of connections to Legion, the TV show. Absolutely. Sound good? Absolutely. All six issues were written by Simon Spurrier, but the illustrator changes. So I'm going to read the credits for each issue as they go. Issue one was written by Simon Spurrier and illustrated by Tan Eng Huat. The cover was by Mike Del Mundo. And the cover of issue one is David's face covered in a collage of torn X-Men covers or images, including Cable, Wolverine, Magneto, and it seems like Cyclops is mm, the yeah. bottom right side of Cyclops's face. face. Yeah. And when you can recognize the bottom right of Cyclops's chin, maybe that's a sign that you've read a comic or two in your life. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> What happens in this comic is we meet David in uh, is in India in a complex for other mutants that have psychic abilities. His his interior life inside of his brain is called the cortex complex, and it works as a jail that keeps all of his personalities at bay. Uh, he is trying to help other psychic mutants using his powers. As happens in lots of X-Men things, the townsfolk try to attack. They're blaming blaming the mutants for their troubles. David tries to talk to them, tries to, you know, tell them, here's what could happen. This could go bad or this could go good. And here's how it could go good. Just go home. But his interior life is trying desperately to get out. His interior personalities are vying for control of his of his body. Suddenly we discover that... Professor X is dead. There is a jailbreak in his head. He goes off in, I, it's a little unclear exactly, but everyone's dead, including the guru who's been helping him this entire time. And that's the end of the issue. I really like the issue starts in his head without explaining immediately no, what is going on. It's, it's a prison and it's only a couple pages later, maybe just a page later that we find out that this is an it's imaginary insane, yeah. or a psychic prison inside his brain. I really like that premise quite a lot. I do. It was very, I had to read this comic a couple of times before I fully understood what was going on. It was a little confusing. I got it pretty quickly, but maybe that's because I 
was vaguely aware of this premise before mm-hmm. I started reading Legion. Like I had seen some things when we were talking about the TV show about like, that there's no psychic prison. What are all the people in his brain? Yeah. Uh, so I, when there was a prison, uh, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I wasn't very surprised. I followed pretty quickly that, oh, this was a psychic prison and all these things. Though I was unclear quite a way into reading it. Like, are, do any of these things in his brain have existence outside of him? Have they invaded? Are they like, like, are they psychic invaders or are they split personalities? Or, and it turns out they're all split personalities of him. There are no psychic invaders in his brain as far Mm -hmm. as we can tell. No, not at all. I like this premise of the thing in his brain and that um, I said there's no psychic invaders in his brain, but one of the guards, I think, I gather is a psychic projection of the guru. So there's the extractor oh, is him in yeah, a suit. yeah, you must be right. And the other guy who has the big, like, scythes, right. I'm pretty sure is the guru, guru helping David And that's control. why he loses control a bit when the guru dies. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. I liked the introduction of the world where it's like, it's a world that hates and fears you because Mm -hmm. it's like, it's very much like, this is X-Men. This is the, you know, core of X-Men. It's the world that hates and fears you. What are you going to do about that, David? Yeah, I kind of didn't like, in fact, I kind of hated David's whole speech to the villagers, though. Oh, yeah? Hmm. I liked the villagers coming there and being like, we don't trust you and they have pitchforks. Sort of. Yeah. I liked it a lot more for what it metaphorically means for an X-Men comic than for what it literally mm-hmm. meant in terms of the plot of this episode, mm-hmm. this issue. Yeah. It's a little bit like ignorant yokels don't know anything and hate yeah. everyone, yeah, which is itself a kind of prejudice book that's trying to be anti-prejudice. Yep. But his speech of like... I'm not sure if I can articulate my problem with it immediately, but his speech of like, this can go two ways, the hard way or the easy way. Maybe I'm already articulating. It's like. Cliche. It's cliche. Yeah. I can be horrible and scare you or I can be great and and you'll love me. Just recognize that I'm way more powerful than you are. And it's like, it's cliche and it's also just. If what he wants them to take away at the end is, I'm just a person like you are, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's a good, either in t- in world, but even from the perspective of the people making the book, I don't know that that's a good uh, approach to, like, he's yeah. just a guy with powers. Like, I can make your life a living hell, or I can make it a paradise, because well, I'm way more powerful than you would ever be. It's kind of a, like, he's... Is he a villain? Is he a good guy? He's definitely, that's kind of the crux of the entire volume is whether he's going to be going to make, you know, he's going to be join the X-Men or be opposed to them or whatever, if that makes him a bad guy. He is Scottish. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I knew that on some level, which is why I expected Dan Stevens to be (laughs) British or Scottish. I'm like, why did they make him American? Especially when Dan Stevens is uh, British. Yeah, exactly. Why did they make him American? Because, sadly, even though Legion is a fantastic show, they still are Americanizing the X-Men, and they have been 
ever since they started making X-Men movies in the, in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. And this is something we've talked about possibly on mic, definitely a lot off mic that yeah. all those are X-Men movies in the X, they even give them all the same kind of American accent. Exactly. Like they won't, they don't even allow the amount of diversity that allows Rogue to be Southern. Yeah. <laughs> They're all yeah. talk like Hollywood actors. Yeah. <laughs> even the ones who don't naturally talk like that, like Hugh Jackman well, and now Dan Stevens. Professor X. Professor X is allowed to, is be, allowed to be British. Patrick Stewart. Is, is allowed to be Patrick Stewart. Because imagine, imagine if you have, if you made Patrick Stewart do an American accent. Mm. I'm sure he can do it, but everyone would be sad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, so issue two? Or do you, issue uh, sorry, two. Do you have more to say? I was just going to say maybe that this issue, like the first issue of many a comic book, kind of sets things up, but mostly spins its wheels. Yeah, and I mean, it obviously is tied in with other comics where Professor X is dead. We don't really find out how or why. Obviously, that happens in a different comic. Yeah. So this is saying, hey, Professor X is dead. How is that affecting Legion? Yeah. So issue two, written by Simon Spurrier, illustrated by Tan Ang Huat, cover by Mike Del Mundo. The cover is a whole bunch of Davids are the sticks of TNT in a time bomb of Davids. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in terms of, I mean, we could maybe say something about each of these covers and what it means for the uh, issue. They're they're visually interesting, but mm-hmm. to back up the cover of David with a collage of X-Men covers Cable, Wolverine, Magneto, and Cyclops, you said this, that the question is whether David's a hero or a villain, mm-hmm. and part of his face is made up of classic X-Men villains, and part of it is made of classic X-Men heroes. Yeah. Um, and then issue two is not, maybe doesn't require that much interpretation to be like, David is literally a time bomb. Yeah, exactly. I think these the covers of these issues are really excellent. I find them, like, very compelling and very... Uh, they're evocative. They tell a whole story mm-hmm. just on the cover, and they're very, yeah, they're very well done. They're not just like a, you know, a picture of what's going to happen in the comic. They're very uh, artistic, and I love them. Yeah. Yeah, I like these covers. I think are very well done. Yep. So there is a jail in issue two. There is a jailbreak. So David is not in control of his body. The the nuts have taken over the nut house. It's <laughs> they. His body is doing all sorts of things because the the personalities in his head keep changing and he's not really in control. Uh, he meets a pair of eyeballs, floating eyeballs, that mm-hmm. then become a body. And the X-Men show up to try and capture him. He hides out in his own brain trying to escape from all the things that are going on. And uh begins to gain control, takes over the the squid-like guy who's trying to catch capture him, who has telep who is is his telepathy power. Yeah. And so when he captures him, he's able to have telepathy again. Mm-hmm. Um and he reads the mind of the eyeball guy that's been with him to see a vision of Various X-Men, but also twins that are in Japan, mutant twins who are in need of help. Right. You asked me before we started recording if I could be the one to keep track of people's names, and I said, yes, I could, but I did not write down 
uh, squid eyeball, squid, oh, I didn't write down squid guy in his brain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or any of the various superpowers in his brain that have supervillain names. I didn't write down any of them. It's yep. like Tantalus or something. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, I really, this is spoilery into the next couple of issues, but yeah. I don't think we should worry about that. Yeah. I really thought Eyeball Guy was going to turn out to be David. Yeah. Because he's got the same hair. Hmm. Yeah. He's visually... He looks kind of like Groot. He looks kind of like Groot, but he's got the same sticky uppy hair effect that David does. And I thought it was going to turn out that, like, one of David's powers for good or bad or medium or evil has, like, manifest in the physical world. Externalized. But nope, that wasn't at all what happened. (laughs) But I like quite a lot eyeball guy who's i mean we could say his yeah he becomes luca he becomes luca yeah um so luca's power i like quite a lot his he can see the paths of what's going to happen and tweak the probabilities so he can you know yeah, he loosens the icicle which then like drops on a squirrel a squirrel's eaten by an eagle the eagle hits the branch and yada 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 the rock falls on their enemies yeah like Whoa. And the way they kind of do that in the background, in like kind of side panels, and you know, almost like there's panels on top of what's happening there. It's, I really, really I thought like that. Very well executed. I like yep. it in conception and in execution, and even one more level of the execution that he's explaining to David his powers. And he's like, say you scare, a, loosen an icicle, and then square, scare a rat, which gets eaten by an eagle. Like he tells what's happening, yeah. and you think it's just hypothetical. And then David's like, how are we going to get out of this? And Luca's like, oh, you weren't paying attention at all. And exactly what he was describing yeah. is what was actually happening in real time. Well, and you know, if you notice before they like, go, before any of that happens, he does loosen that icicle. So if you're watching, yeah. he does actually do that thing if you're paying attention. But I really like but yeah. how, it's, how they pull that off. Yeah, me too. He hides out in his own brain and that was unclear to me at first, like where he was hiding. And then suddenly it's like, oh, he's in like the the ductwork of the prison that is his own head. Right. And the the people coming for him are like, of course they know where he is. It's all still him. Right. Which is like a mind messes my mind. And the way that his his internal monologue is just being broadcast over a PA system because it's just a metaphorical representation of his brain. Yeah, exactly. Of course all his alter egos are aware of his internal monologue. Yeah, exactly. it's great. Yeah. I really like it. Um, so David, in this issue, we saw a little bit of it in the first issue, but here we get a lot more of him being conflicted about whether he wants powers or not, mm. whether he wants to follow in Charles's footsteps or not. Right, yeah, whether he wants to be like his dad. And, like, that's going to continue to be a big... Uh, internal conflict for the whole rest of the volume, presumably for their next volume too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, by the end of this specific issue, he decides, well, what would dad do? He would go and rescue those twins. So that's what I'm going to do. And that's what he does for the next issue. What do you think about the metaphor of not being safe in his own brain? Like if that place is his brain and he's hiding out in his brain, yeah. The metaphor is that his brain isn't a safe place for him to be. Mm-hmm. You think of that? That's, it's difficult to wrap my brain around, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very like 
it's what mental illness is like. Mm-hmm. He's not able to trust what he can do and what he sees and what he feels like and what's happening. Yeah, totally. I think that one of the things that this makes Legion such an interesting character is that he's, I mean, X-Men always, comics in general, tend to literalize the metaphor. Yeah. Uh, and so in he's, what is it like to be unsafe in your brain? What is it like to be not in control of your body? And they literalize that as in there are a bunch of hideous, monstrous villains inside his brain that he can't control. Yeah. And they don't, in the comic, they don't really dwell on that metaphorical aspect very much. They basically run with the literal half of it. But if you stop and think about it, he talks pretty flippantly about, oh, I'm I'm bleeping crazy. Yeah. But he's his brain is not a safe place for him to be, but he can't ever get away from it. Yeah. And so what does he have to do? And every issue is kind of about, I mean, not kind of, what this whole what makes this whole volume really interesting is it's both about an internal and an external conflict because all the conflicts are internal they're about him believing in himself and you know wanting to have powers or not wanting to have powers but it also literalizes that and externalizes it so that there are within his mind external forces that are fighting against his mind that are literalized but are in fact, just metaphorical representations of aspects of his personality, but aren't just metaphorical because he's a mutant and it's psychic projections. And I think I really like the way that it moves back and forth between the metaphor and the literal. And I really like what the literal, what the metaphor is doing about you take for granted that your brain is a safe place to be, yep. that you're in control of yourself and what happens when you aren't. Absolutely. Issue three. Issue three is written by Simon Spurrier and illustrated by Tan Eng Huat. The cover is by Mike Del Mundo, as they all are. I might stop saying that the cover is by Mike yep. Del Mundo because he's done. He's he going to do he all the all covers. Okay. Um, the cover of this issue is uh, a take on that Escher, M.C. Escher painting with the mm-hmm. bird black birds going in one direction and white birds going Mm, in the other and they turn into each other and all the birds make up the shape of a girl with uh like very striking eyes staring Mm. out and i think the black and white birds are pretty clear there's the two children in this issue get introduced and they have psychic uh, one's a psychic black bird and the other's a psychic white white bird yep i'm not sure who the girl is who's on the cover. Yeah, me neither. Like, is she blindfold? Ruth Mm. blindfold becomes important in later issues, but in this issue, she's still not very, and it doesn't look much like her. And the big eyes on the cover, also, if we, like, Luca's eyes are important for the whole volume, but again, they're not particularly important in this issue. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I like the visual of this cover quite a lot as i like all of them but this is the cover that is most opaque to me i'm not really sure what it means either i was definitely thrown off by it Mm -hmm. so what happens in this episode in this i want to call call it episode (laughs) (laughs) what happens in this issue in this issue not a lot happens he in terms of like plot moving forward he goes to japan 
he meets this weird cult who worships a red skull thing, not not the red skull, but a red skull thing, uh, who are using the twins to torture people. The twins are two children who seem to have psychic powers to manifest as, as large birds when they use their powers. Uh, they try to kill David or try to tort or try to get information out of David. It's unclear. Uh, they fight with his brain. They try to, they don't realize what they're dealing with in terms of his brain. He manages to convince them that they should escape, that they don't want to be there, which they don't. They attempt to escape. And of course, who shows up is the X-Men. Right. I forgot to mention in the previous issue that the X-Men were there. And that the funniest line of all this this volume came up with uh, I don't know all the X-Men's name. The guy with the big flamey beard. Uh Jono. Is Jono, okay. So Jono is like, oh, it's a... Uh, the villagers are talking about a guy with big hair who's doing this and this. I don't think we need to say who it is, and Wolverine's all It's Legion. <laughs> I can smell him. <laughs> like it's just really a funny moment of like, oh, I guess it does need to be said. <laughs> Wolverine is so the Wolverine is always and it's one of these things where it's hard to tell when it's parody and when they're just trying to accurately represent Wolverine's character. And this volume, it's really hard to tell whether they are comically overdoing Wolverine's character or whether this is just their take on Wolverine. Yeah. He is so like I'm Wolverine. Yeah, he's very yeah, he's a Bub. He's over the top in this in this uh, whole volume and I love it actually. It's great. Anyway, yeah, I so think switch up at the end of this My one. favorite line of the whole volume happens in this uh, yes. issue 3, which is when <laughs> David says, it's a trap! And then you turn the page and he says, actually, it's a bloody great etheric projection shaped like a monochromatic psychic raven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a good line. <laughs> yeah. But I can't say that because even Star Wars characters wouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's a great line. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about Japanese guy who speaks broken English? I found that really hard to follow. Really hard to follow. And I understand what they're, they're kind of... He, he calls them at one point, like, Google Translate guy. It seems like he's running his English through a Google Translator, or his Japanese through a Google Translator to speak English. And so it's coming out really weird. But it, I just don't like it. I don't like it in terms of, like, following a story. It makes it difficult to follow and difficult to piece out what's going on. And then also in terms of like, it feels racist. Yeah. It feels like, oh, they speak English. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. Those foreigners who can't even speak English, right? Yeah. Wait, they're talking to each other in Japan. Why are they not just talking Japanese? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Who are they? Who is this for the benefit of? Yeah. It's for the benefit of like the joke to the audience. And I just don't like that. I agree. I agree. It's hard to follow. And doesn't make internal sense they like i guess they're sort of talking to david yeah some sometimes, of the time sometimes, sometimes they clearly are talking to david and that's fine um but often they're not and it's just yeah it's just weird weird uh the red skull guy that they worship by the way is ogun he is uh was wolverine's mentor oh, okay so he taught wolverine how to be a 
ninja. Okay. And then went bad and Wolverine killed him. Right. Because comics. Because comics. <laughs> um, I really like in this series, in this issue... See, this is an issue that not a lot happens in, but visually I really like yeah, it. I like true. a lot of what they're doing in this issue. Yeah. I really like the whole series of David trying and failing to defeat superpowered people in his brain. Right. Like, that's, that is, that's this issue. I forgot that. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. He that's tries hilarious. with the top tier one and fails. And then they're like, okay, this is a little more my level. Oh, no. And then like, okay, this guy's really the easiest one. Oh, no, still too hard for me. Yeah, he keeps, and there keeps being these panels of like him trying to attack. And then just like the next one is him running running away and yeah. running away and running away and then yeah that's it's i kept laughing at that one that was good good really good panel good design cover. and then speaking of the panel design a lot of those exact sequences happen as the bottom third of a page and i really like the page design on those pages where the top third is david talking to the two children karasu and sobojo um and the middle tier is kind of blue black and white black and blue flashbacks of david's past and professor x not being a very good father to david and professor x not being a very reputable fellow yep um and then the bottom is inside david's brain him picking fights with uh super powered alter egos that he loses i really like the structure of those pages where you see all those things happening at the same time it's visually interesting but it also gives us a sense of like david's fractured understanding of reality that he's keeping these three things happening at the same time and there's been a few moments before like in the previous in issue two when the tentacle guy is like i'm gonna eat you i'm gonna eat you and at the same time uh luca the eyeball man is like oh i guess i'll kill all these people yeah and david's like stop it Yep, and both. who is he talking to? He's, talking, He's to. talking to both of them. I yep. like those moments a lot. I agree. I agree. I like the, I like the flashbacks of Professor X being like, what is he doing? Is he actually a good guy? Is he was you know because from David's perspective, he sees it as you know he was a neglectful father. He was not there for him. He also sees it, and then he also sees like, is he actually helping children or just making child soldiers? Yeah, there's this parallel between the two children, Karasu and Sobojo, who are being made to fight for the Yakuza against their wishes. Yeah. Will it it be any different if they go to the school for the gifted? Exactly. There's a direct parallel between what Professor X does, is he gets children to fight for his dream instead. And this is not an original observation that Professor X is kind of villainous. Mm Mm-hmm. But I really like it in this context and for David to be the one thinking it because throughout the whole volume, he can't decide whether he wants to be following, whether he's intimidated by trying to follow in the footprints of Professor X, his father, who is so wonderful and great in every way, or whether he is uh, angry at his father for being a crappy, neglectful father. Yeah. And he has to pick one or the other and they're both bad options. Yeah, exactly. I like, too, another of my favorite lines in the volume is in this uh, issue near the end when he says, it's okay to try and be different, it's okay to try and be better. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what gives him motivation to 
be strong enough to defeat the supervillains in his mind, but he wants to not just follow in Charles' footsteps. He wants to be better, different than, and better than Professor X, and I like it. Yep. So moving on to issue number four. Issue number four, written, as always, by Simon Spurrier. We have a new illustrator this time. Mm -hmm. This issue and the rest of the issues are illustrated by Jorge Molina. Um, The cover... Again, by Mike Del Mondo. I said I was going to stop saying that. <laughs> Mike Del Mondo. The cover is David as a puzzle. A bunch of puzzle pieces making up David's head. And the top of his head, the puzzle pieces have come apart. And there are X-Men coming out of his brain. Yep. So, I mean, in this episode... Issue. In this issue, Blindfold literally goes into... Da- or telepathically enters David's brain. Yeah. So there are X-Men in his brain. Yeah. This is also the issue where David fights X-Men. So there's using like... Using his brain, yeah. Using his brain. David's Absolutely. brain is is uh, encompassing all the X-Men. So that's why they're in his brain is he's bigger than them. Mm-hmm. I, that's my yeah. kind I mean, of interpretation. A, pu- a puzzle is kind of an obvious metaphor to go with, but it's it's makes sense and it's something you would definitely choose when you're doing this kind of thing. Yeah. So what happens in this issue is that David attempts to escape with the twins. He takes down the X-Men one by one by accessing the different uh, mutants, the different personalities in his head. In the end, he leaves the twins with the X-Men and escapes by by folding reality. Because there's going to be a big explosion, so he stops it. Uh in the kind of twist ending, there's eyes left behind, and so Bojo's uh, on the plane, and suddenly he doesn't have eyes anymore. He has glowing sockets where his eyes used to be. Mm-hmm. Dum, dum, dum. Blindfold Ruth yep. is her real name. The psychic, the blindfolded psychic, who at the very beginning, in the first issue when we flash to the X-Men, mm-hmm. she's the one who's like, oh, the future has changed. Yes. And she's the one who brings the X-Men in to go hunt down Legion. Yep. I like her also a lot in conception. Yeah, me too. The way that she sees what needs to happen, sees what's going to happen, sees the, she's a, we don't have a lot typically in the X-Men of the kind of psychic that is seeing the future. Yeah. We have a lot of psychics who read each other's minds. Not a lot of seeing the future psychics. Yep. And absolutely. I like, I think they're doing her quite well. Mm-hmm. I really like her appearing in his brain and being like, oh, he's not going to hurt me. And, yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't love that she just randomly kisses him. No, that's weird. Uh, but I do like her confidence and her appearing in his brain and her being powerful and understanding yep. things that no one else does. And I like, I mean, it's a, it is a cliche, but I still like it anyway of a blind seer. Yep. I like the way in this, the what we saw last time was him failing to get control of his personalities in his head. And this time he is getting control. We really see how... He grabs, you know, the person who's in charge of folding reality and he grabs them and suddenly he's able to do that in real life. He grabs the person who mm-hmm. is, you know, he just, it's really cool, the idea of it. And that's, and I understood it fully in this issue. This issue makes really clear what exactly is going on and how, how he's accessing these different powers. 
Yeah, and how the kids uh, are helping him. He, in the first issue, the guru was helping him. Mm. And now the kids are helping him and they don't have to go out and fight the X-Men. But he asks them to help him just bring him powers in his brain. And he... And we see also in this, I really like that we see some of David's actual competence more than just his power. Yes. Because we've seen all along, he has lots of power, he can't control it, he's kind of crazy. But competence is being able to correctly uh, decide which power is going to be useful at this moment and choose between them and... He does that well. He defeats the... I feel like they really earn him defeating the X-Men. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just, he's an alpha mutant who out- outpowers them by kablooing them. Yeah. He, like... Yeah, he takes them down one by one precisely in the way... Like, with Wolverine, just like, yeah, put him to sleep. That's all you need to do with Wolverine. Yeah. You don't need to... Because he doesn't have strong... And he bluffs Wolverine into hesitating. And he attacks Wolverine's mind because Wolverine's body is too strong. Yep. But then he, like, the guy, uh, Jono with the fire mouth, he just, like, puts skin over yeah. his mouth so that he can't, uh, yeah. yeah, I think they're all very clever, both very visually interesting for me as a reader, and also demonstrate David's competence. I, like, I enjoyed this fight yep. quite a lot. Yep, me too. Um, though... It is in this issue, by issue four, getting a little repetitive, how every issue, David can't use his powers, but then at the end of the issue, because he really, really wants to, now he can, then back to not being able to in the next issue. Yep, exactly. And I understand, I mean, to some degree, he's getting more powerful every issue, so he gets, he doesn't go back to baseline zero ever, but... At the same time, it is a little bit the moment in every issue where he's like, oh, now I really need to, so I can. Yeah, that's standard comics, though. Like, I'm not strong enough, I'm not strong enough, unless I'm really trying, and now I'm strong enough to do it. Yeah, you know? it's standard comics, but it's I, I never enjoy it. It's an aspect of standard comics that I think they could... I always enjoy when they do something better or different than that. Yep. And there's a degree to which... This makes more sense than usual in standard comics because it is all just in his mind. So it is all explicitly about him being properly motivated, being properly focused, being properly uh, mentally disciplined. Yeah. But it's a little bit repetitive. Yeah. Um, In the end, he has his line, like, in the end, it's that simple. Somebody needs me. So is it all, is what David needs to be needed? Yeah. I'm not sure. It's unclear. Because he has been needed before. Mm-hmm. Well, and he was, but he was living, when he was living in India, he was needed by the people there. And so maybe this is like, he's finding his place again. It's all about him finding his place. I don't know. I'm not sure. I like the fight scene of this, but some of the uh, other movement, the emotional moving pieces, I think, aren't as compelling especially david as well i like blindfold a lot though yeah so issue five issue five written by simon spurrier illustrated again by jorge molina the cover is david as a cop uh with many superheroes in a jail made out of his hair i love this one this is my favorite one cover cover? of album yeah i I didn't spend i spent some time with issue one recognizing who the four X-Men 
in the torn out pages are, I yeah. did not go through and mm. identify all the superheroes in David's hair. Yeah. I don't know if they're real or if they're... Uh, that is, I don't know if they're pre-existing or mm. if they're made up. Yeah, I assumed that they were made up, but I didn't, didn't look into it at all. I just like the way they use his hair, like this whole like wacky hairdo thing is this whole... Is kind of plot relevant or relevant, and they and like the way they use it in this cover to have him, yeah, with the jail in his hair. And it would make more sense, by the way, uh, to me if those superheroes were all new inventions because they're we have seen in the comic that all the things in his brain are super villains, and here we have them. What if all the powers in his head were heroic, yeah. Absolutely. But they're still contained by him. But they're still contained by him. Also, just like, he's the cop. Yeah. I kind of like that, you too. Do. You do. It's just like, it's a clever cover. So in this issue, we are at the X-Mansion, and David is uh, hiding out in a cabin near, in the woods outside the X-Mansion. He sends an attack on, by bringing aliens in, so he can Ill- infiltrate he reads Blindfold's past and discovers that she has a brother who abused her, who killed her mother, and was executed, but somehow his ghost came to life as the eyeballs. And he realizes that this brother of Blindfold has been the eyeballs guy all along. He figures out that Sobojo is has been taken over by eyeballs, which is, his Luca. name is Luca. Uh... And is about to, and the issue ends with him about to kill Blindfold. Mm-hmm. So I like in conception quite a lot. His whole past thing? His whole past yeah. thing. Is Luca like was born evil? Is that what we're saying? Is, I don't know. He hates her. He hates Blindfold from the time she's born. He's her older brother. And he blames her for all of his problems it seems like because she's a mutant and therefore everything went wrong i the whole like he gets executed and then comes back i don't understand what that was yeah and it's <laughs> textually it's like maybe because he just hated so much that his hate became eyeballs it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense he's not a mutant or was he like or was he, was he a, a mutant all he along was a repressed mutant all along like if what that I would like. be better yeah that would be much better in fact that was my theory was that he was some kind of like repressed mutant all along i would like them to tell us that yeah me too when david's like maybe it's this maybe it's this even if it was a maybe yeah maybe he was a repressed mutant all along and then i would be able to like i think that actually is what would make more sense, but the text doesn't yeah. give us that. No, it doesn't. And it would be, it would make it, you know, again, a little cliche, but a compelling cliche, a cliche that gets used a lot because it's effective, because it resonates. It would be about self-hating uh, repressed mutant. Yeah. Whereas as this, like, he hates her because she's different. He's, uh, you know, Petunia well, Evans, who hates her sister for being a freak because he's jealous. Right. <laughs> she's Petun- also... Petunia Dursley. <laughs> I know she's... She's Evans when she was okay, hated right. her sister. Right. She's also improperly motivated, by the way. Yep. She's... <laughs> it's this, like... 
yeah, this abusive older brother who blames her for all of his problems, but also wants her to help him mm-hmm. is and like, it's compelling. It's a really compelling backstory, but it kind of also like it comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, here, let's explain this with this new thing that we didn't know about or care about before. Yeah. But that also is like his powers where like you, it was setting up this whole thing all along. Yeah. This is what it is. I think that they come close to pulling off Luca. They come very close. And I'm when I my complaints about it are more nitpicks than real complaints because I find it compelling. I liked they got me to like Blindfold very quickly. Yes. So that someone hurting Blindfold I actually care because I like her. Yeah. And that was an important groundwork for this issue that I think they pulled off. I like a lot that he's her brother, not her father. Yes. Yeah. Just because it's less cliche. Yeah. Um, I would like, I would just like them to have given his, he can be just as super villainy as he is in the present, but I would like them to have given just a little bit more nuance to his child self. Yeah. Even his teenager. He can be a delinquent teenager, but like his, as a child, he just was mean. Yeah. Just because. Just because. And then the like, and then his, uh, he went for rehab to a religious place where they poisoned him with religion because religion is poison. Apparently. Um, well, they poisoned him with, with anti-mutant. They poisoned him with anti-mutant. Propaganda. Propaganda. And I get, and I don't even really complain about that this is a pretty clear metaphor for anti-gay bigotry. And I get that. I don't complain about it. But I do complain a little bit that because he was already evil, it isn't necessary. Yeah. Right? He was, like, if they'd made him a little more nuanced earlier then that corrupting influence would be more corrupting. Whereas as it's played, like, he was just always mean and evil and bad. I don't know if he was necessarily evil. He was just a mean older brother. There are that in life. There are that in real life. But what we see of him is, like, she blames himself, but I see that he was a rotten kid who beat her Mm. up for no reason and turned into a delinquent. And, like, I just need... I just would have liked a tiny shade more uh, nuance because I get what they're going for. She blames herself. I see that he's responsible for his own actions. Okay. Yes. Agree. But just like a tiny bit of a more nuance of like, I see that he was rotten from the beginning. I mean, I don't have his the yeah. comic in front of me, but it's just that moment where he's like, she blames herself, but I saw that six-year-old him was already irredeemable. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah that's fair enough. That's not It's really that good. moment there okay. that I'm like, eh. So I'm, mo- moving on. I'm picking on it a lot. Yeah. I really, really, really like, though, the visual of how this is all presented with David's yeah. astral projection in pink and then all the flashbacks in black and white and then the X-Men in 
in red in the bottom of the page happening at the same time once again the real world and the psychic world happening at the same time they're showing us both on the page at the same time i quite like that too i think they pull it off really well i like the effect Mm -hmm. i like it in both conception and execution yeah the art is really excellent at showing that and at guiding you through it Mm -hmm. so it's not too confusing agreed and i think if we talk about the art jorge molina uh takes over halfway through I actually quite like both of the artists. Mm-hmm. Their style is slightly different. Yeah. Jorge Molina is a little more uh, cartoony. Yeah. But they both clearly uh, are on, like, either Simon Spurrier is giving very clear page construction instructions. Yeah. Or both artists have a shared vision or both. Yeah. That, like, the three people, the two artists and the writer all together create a real good page construction throughout the whole volume, I think. It is real good. Real good. (laughs) Yeah, it's real good. I would, at the very end, I didn't mention it. The other twin, Karasu, has a knife to David's throat. While he's off astral projecting, Yes, he comes back to his body and she's got a knife to his throat. Now, what did Luca tell her? Why did David need to die in her mind was unclear. I guess that's the next issue. That's the next issue. But it felt like out of nowhere that she would attack him. Because he, I think even there, like he, she is a child and is not able or willing to consider that her brother isn't her brother. Yeah. So whatever he told her, it was something about like, David wasn't really helping us. David yeah, isn't okay. really like you have to do this. I don't want to. You have to. Yeah, okay. He's being again what he was in Blindfold, which is an abusive older brother who pushes his sister into things. Right. Yeah, of course. I didn't even think that connection. That's exactly what's happening. All right, so issue six. Issue six. Written by Simon Spurrier, illustrated by Jorge Molina, cover by Mark Del Mundo. The cover of issue six is Legion kind of crouching in fetal position, surrounded by a whole page full of voice uh, balloons Mm -hmm. saying a bunch of different things. Yeah, I really, really like this cover. I think this is my favorite in terms of just the visual effect of the cover. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's just the, like, he's totally overwhelmed. I don't know that it's particularly fitting uh, to the issue, what happens in the issue, but I think it's really compelling for who David is and, and giving a sense of what his mental state is. Sorry, I'm just trying to find it because I really want to look at it. Oh, this one. Yes, this is the best one. It says, you know, like, uh, what's happening to me? They're not your friends. Word is bond. This calls for a good old-fashioned exorcism. And even the credits are in the Simon yeah. Spurrier, Jorge Molina, are in the... Uh, word bubbles and he's just and there's no sense of space at all no the ground is word bubbles the walls are word bubbles i really like like it even like movie quotes and things like that yeah there's everything yeah it's a really good cover though i don't think it particularly connects to this issue not necessarily no that's just a general what legion is yeah but not yeah um so what happens in issue six david fights luca in uh body Luca manipulates things far in advance, 
just like he did with the icicle and everything. Uh, but he can't predict David's insanity, apparently. A blindfold destroys Luca and David leaves, but in a cliffhanger element in his an element the element in his brain that he never had control over is revealed to be Professor X. Bum 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 And is the end of volume one is a big cliffhanger. Yeah, of course, because it's a comic comics, comics everyone. everyone. So Yes. Throughout all six issues, David keeps having different differently phrased, differently packaged epiphanies about how he can control the things in his mind. And here he has yeah. another yet another one that seems to be the most uh powerful yet. Which is his mantra, I rule me. Yes. What do you think about that? I think that uh, all along we've had like the guru, we've had the twins, we've had blindfold, we've had other mutants kind of almost helping him with his personality jail. And this is him going, no, it's only me. I must do this for myself. And I think that's a bit of a mistake in that that won't last because he needs to be in community with people Mm -hmm. to help him get to help him control himself but this is what's gonna help him for right now is mm-hmm. that th- realizing that he's in control realizing that i rule me that he is the jailer i feel like it's uh you know empowering self-empowerment he that's really good uh in if this is a story about uh self-doubt I rule me I can decide for myself is a empowering and powerful mantra to end on yeah but if there's a story about mental illness I think it's a really harmful yeah uh, exactly. message to yeah. end on yeah you rule yourself and you don't need anybody's help yeah uh, so when you take it the metaphor or you you move back into the metaphorical and you say that this is about um, mental illness, and what he is doing at the end is rejecting any help to yeah. help manage his mental illness because he needs to be strong enough to do it all by himself. I think that's actually a really harmful perception of mental illness and how to approach it. Yeah, absolutely. I like the uh, the coincidence fight between David and Luca. And yeah. The, I like. I really like seeing Luca's powers in action and that he still can't use them. And that we find out in issue five, I think... Uh, and again in issue six, that Luca's powers are Blindfold's powers. He stole part of her powers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, P.S., doesn't really make sense. No. But does, like... Well, he's she doesn't have any eyes, and he is nothing but eyes. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's a bit much. And they but say... He, what do they say? There's just, like, a throwaway line in this issue... David says that eyes are a motif in his life. And I'm like, yeah. are eyes a motif in this book? Kinda. Like, Kinda. Blindfold and Luca, certainly. Other than that, I don't, I think this is another the thing where, like... twins have weird eyes, and the issue begins with him opening his eyes. Yeah. I mean, the whole volume begins with David's eyes opening. And we see it from his perspective. I feel like that's a motif that they could have nailed. Yeah, a little stronger. Stronger. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it, it, we're landing on eyes are important, but we have not, I think, adequately. Like, eyes are Luca. Yeah. But other than Luca, 
I don't think that we've nailed that eyes motif strongly enough. I just, I like, like you said, I like the way that Luca makes these things happen ahead of time. And then he's like, was that guy supposed to fall on me? And he's like, yeah. So like David <laughs> just defeats him by being just slightly off. And yeah. I don't know exactly how that works, but it's makes it kind of fun. Textually, David says, because I'm crazy. Yeah. I don't, I like... Again, I really like it. I like the fight. I like that that moment with that supposed to fall on me, yeah, is yeah. hilarious and yeah. fantastic. But I don't, much like Luca takes over some of Blindfold's powers, it's like, wait, though, how does that work and why? Yeah. I don't think it quite makes sense. It's one of these, the rule of cool. Yeah. That it, we don't care that it doesn't make sense because it's pretty cool. Yeah. And like, I suppose that's fine. Yeah. So what else just um That's... David says that the we learn in this last issue that David is fated to destroy all mutant kind. There's been some references to yeah. something terrible something is coming. coming. David's the something terrible that's coming, and Blindfold, who we have heard, uh, she thinks that she is meant to be his nemesis, yep. and we hear a little more clearly what that means. She's fated to try to kill him to stop it and that try means she's not going to succeed right yeah um and then we see the reveal that professor x has been the implicit villain all along professor x has been the end the or villain been... in his brain all along and i wanted before we talk about whatever what that creature in his brain has been all along yeah just like professor x really has been the implicit antagonist throughout this entire yeah. volume absolutely in concept like in david's idea of who professor x is has been an antagonist to david throughout with even yep. without this big dramatic reveal yep. so that's an aspect that i really like but going back to something we've mentioned a few times in this volume about execution that the little nefarious thing inside david's brain that uh we have seen throughout every once in a while in the shadows or like he David yeah. doesn't know he's there. And then it turns out in the end that it's Professor X. I have a few thoughts about that, about like, I don't know that this is playing fair, that there's anything we could have possibly understood about yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. But also, maybe we could even say, neither of us have read what comes next. What do you think? Is this Professor X? In what sense? Like, what do you think this thing is in the end? Give me your theories. I think it's just his brain version of Professor X. And so it's like a bad guy in only in the terms of like. What he believes Professor X is like. So do you think. um, But I think, but it could be like, this is how Professor X is staying alive by latching on to David's brain. And later on, he'll find a way out. Right. It's the question. And we asked this, uh, about Legion, the TV show, of is this thing David or is this thing something from outside David that is piggybacking inside his brain? Because we haven't seen anything, uh, any of the villains be from outside David yet. But the way that they present this all the way that, like, this is something he doesn't know about. This is something that's new. Yeah. something so... Who can hide out. Who can hide out. Yeah. 
And if it is something from outside his brain, is it Professor X? I think it may it might be Professor X, but uh, we're seeing it as a villain because that's what David would see it as. But he's not actually a villain. I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm, a bit weak. I agree. I think it's a bit weak. I would like to read what comes next. It's strong in the what it's supposed to do that I'm like, what happens? I want to read what yeah, comes next. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's not, it comes a bit out of nowhere. Yeah. They haven't given us enough to the best kind of reveals. So the reveals where you're like, oh, of course. And this is a reveal where like, I am a little bit, oh, I kind of saw that coming, but I hoped I was wrong because it's weak. Yeah. All right, so moving on to, should we talk about, like, in general, highlights, lowlights, things that you liked and didn't like about this comic? One kind of thought about the whole volume that's not in a highlights, lowlights way. It's just, uh, there's a Greek myth um, motifs throughout the whole thing Hmm. in the idea of destiny and fate. He's fated to destroy all mankind. He's achieve. He's creating his own fate. The way that Luca sees what destiny is and manipulates the fates. The way we Mm -hmm. have blindfold, the blindfolded seer who sees what's going to happen, tries to prevent it, but makes it happen uh, anyway. So I don't have necessarily like more to say than yeah, just to just point like, that out. Yep, but absolutely. there's a this whole volume is playing on tropes from Greek mythology yep. and from uh Greek tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. So that I thought was kinda interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Things some things that I didn't like about this comic in just in general in terms of like comic style things, the bleeping out of the swear words, like just swear, don't swear. It was annoying. It made yeah. it difficult to read. And it was like, I kept being like, I can't even figure out what swear they're bleeping out. It was always the trouble. Is like... You're wasting your mental I'm energy wasting- trying to be like, is he saying f*** or sh- right now? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I agree. Like, either have the bleeping fortitude to bleeping swear or don't. Don't bleeping bleep it out. That's bleeping annoying. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's... That was just an irritate. That was just like you know a minor irritation about this. There's also totally agree. Yeah, there's also just the artwork was good but very busy. Mm-hmm. I once I started reading it digitally, I actually liked it a bit better because I could really break it down panel by panel. Mm-hmm. When I was reading the physical book in my hand, it was so busy that I kept getting distracted and didn't know what to look at next. So, yeah. This was my first experience with really reading a comic digitally, and I actually was surprised at how much I liked it. Hmm. So I kind of uh, you read it on your phone, and I read it on my compu- on the computer. Mm-hmm. I suspect that the phone is a better reading experience. Yes, it was because I kind of hated reading it on the computer. Yeah. I went to the paper again. Yeah, except for the two issues that we didn't find in paper that I had to read digitally. Yeah, which was issue four and issue six. Yep. <laughs> But you read them all digitally, right? Once you, yeah. ha- once we had it digitally, I read them all like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think if I had a tablet, that I would read comics a lot more digitally with a mm. tablet. 
Well, that's interesting to know. Maybe we'll get a tablet. Maybe. Maybe, that's, maybe that should be a Christmas gift. <laughs> maybe that should be a Patreon gift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about connections to Legion the show? Yeah, let's talk about that. Because this is, after all, a Legion the show podcast. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is connected to Legion the show and maybe it doesn't have to be. But the question of the comic is is professor x wrong yeah in his approach and david ends up by saying david that professor x's dream was good but his approach wasn't i'm gonna go off and do it my own way actually help the world in a way that professor x doesn't yeah this is somewhat connected to some ideas that are going on in yeah in legion, legion the show because is melanie is her approach good? Is she doing good? Is she and or is the division three doing good, doing bad? Are they actually evil or are they just trying to stop David, who is a scary level mutant, omega, omega level? And in this comic, it's defined as he he himself is omega level, and every personality in his head is also omega level, which is wow. That's a cool concept, and like good job of yeah. the person who thought of that. <laughs> I don't think i could be wrong i don't think that is originates in this comic no I think that's I don't like think so. legions that's his whole idea whole deal, yeah exactly which is great yeah that's a great great uh great concept um there's a few like little minor connections like he wears these orange pants the whole time oh, yeah that look exactly like the, the very, clockworks uh, um outfits very true he's apparently he doesn't feel cold because he goes around shirtless and shoeless. He just wears pants. Just <laughs> pants. And it's like he's in the wintry mountains in snow with just pants. No no shoes. No shirt. No service. No service. So are you saying, like, maybe Dan Stevens should do that? This is... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things I'm saying. <laughs> uh-huh. Is maybe... If Legion's look is shirtless, we could get a tiny bit more shirtless Dan Stevens. <laughs> you, you're but, actually blushing right now. <laughs> I'm so glad this is an audio medium. But Legion's other look is like, it's very important in the comics of Legion's hair goes straight up. And he's and bloody he's, stupid. <laughs> that's a Buffy line. No, his hair goes straight up. Like, it's crazy hair. They make uh, constant references to it. It looks like a troll doll. It looks like a racer head. Yada, yada, yada. He, it looks dumb. It would, no, it looks fine in comics. It would look super dumb in real life. And I hope that they don't ever do that. I feel like I, I can't remember who it was. I feel like I saw some interview where it was like a throwaway line with either Dan Stevens, Noah Hawley, or someone involved in makeup but yes. i think it was noah holly that was like yeah we thought about his hair yeah but we just couldn't figure out how to make it look anything that wasn't stupid so we just forgot about it yeah and like they could make his like they could have him have floofy hair at some point but like did something crazy but i'm just glad that they didn't do that because the essence of this comic is I can see the connections to Legion the show. His personality is very different. Very, mm-hmm. very different from David Haller on Legion. His, uh, all the visual, all the psychedelic aspects are fairly different. But the, the basic, the basics of his powers and the basics of 
what Legion is, I feel like still exists in this comic, or rather still exists in the show based on the comic. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say the central premise is the same, but it's not even really. Yeah. But I like it anyway. I th- And I see where they get from here to there. Yeah. Anyway. What I really think that this mental prison, this like... How many mutant, how many like the legion of people he has in his head, etc. I think that's gonna be a thing on the show. I think as we go forward on the show, there's gonna be more of this. There's gonna be more of in his head, in the astral plane, in the whatever, where we're gonna see more I mean, like was, this and how he controls. There was an aspect in the show already of like David is more powerful and more psychologically complex than Melanie expects. She yeah. thinks she has a handle on him. And I am hoping, I think that the show, the first season ended with, now we have a handle on David. And yeah. I said, I am hoping that rug gets pulled out from under us. And like, no, you still have no idea. Yeah, exactly. And we heard like little, little hints of things like these, like this laughter of children. That's not, connected at all to the Shadow King and these other little things that like there was the Shadow King but there's also other things there's also little hints of what else is going on in David's brain and now that the Shadow King is out what are we going to see mm-hmm. and I'm really excited we saw David's mother in the comic you're right blink yeah. and you'll miss her but he tries to call her and he can't bring up the courage to speak yeah uh something heller she was She's like at the UN, an ambassador or something. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. So that'll be. So I don't know whether that has anything to do with anything, but I was like, hey, David's mother. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We have a shot of David in an MRI. Yes. In the past. With, and Professor X is rushing off to give a speech at the UN and David looks very sad to be in an MRI. Yep. And we have. I mean, the relationship between David and Amy is not at all like Luca and Blindfold, except that it kind of might be. Hmm. You know, that they're a brother and sister. They're close, Luca and Blindfold aren't. But uh, we see when we're we're in the mental clockworks that... Amy has this deep-set resentment against David that she can't articulate, that she doesn't articulate, but that I think we can see, I think I have landed on, is definitely there. Like, what Amy does in Mental Clockworks is express her previously unexpressed resentment towards David. Yep. So there's this brother-sister relationship with a powerful Mm -hmm. mutant and Mm deep-set resentment. Yeah, I can see that. The mental, the mental clockworks is a lot like the jail, and I wonder whether the other patients are going to be aspects of David's personality mm-hmm. in the future. There's a theory, Legion fans on the Reddit board especially, yeah. there's a really prevalent theory that the whole of season one has been inside David's head, yeah. and that is connected to clearly people who are familiar with legion from things like this comic mm-hmm. are like well the mental prison is a lot like clockworks exactly as you say and all those people who were in we saw one of the people who was in a mental hospital with david turns out to have been an aspect of david's own mind maybe they yep. all will be maybe 
everyone is. Maybe that's why Legion isn't set in any particular time. Maybe this entire thing all along has always been inside David's head. We've talked about this before. We've talked about this before. I I don't think so, and I hope not, because it means that nothing has had any stakes. But I do think possibly there'll be a mental clockworks continuing to be in David's head. Mm -hmm. And I would not object, like, I don't want the entire thing to have been inside David's head all along. But I will not mind if some of the people that we have thought were real turn turn out to have been aspects of David's mind. I will think, like, that's yep. great if that happens. Absolutely. All right. I think that's pretty much all we need to say about this. I hope that you guys enjoyed this comic. If you read it, I would love to hear anyone else's take on this comic. And we hope to maybe read the other four or five volumes in this uh, this run of X-Men Legacy. Yeah. I think next on Clockworks, we're going to do an episode about Pushing Daisies. Yep. But... Maybe I will make it a Patreon goal that will buy all the other volumes. If you like this episode where we talked about the comic, yep. Possibly we'll do it after season two of Legion because yeah, time so. is like season two of Legion's coming up, and we'll do it in the interim between seasons. But maybe we'll keep talking about Legion comics in the interim of next season. Yep. Next episode, expect two weeks from now. Probably two I'd weeks from two now. Two weeks from now. We'll talk about pushing daisies. Soon after that, we'll do an episode about Moonrise Kingdom or and or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. We're just counting down until we can get that Legion Season 2. I cannot wait. Yeah, me too. So, if you wanted to get in touch with us and tell us what you thought about this comic, what you thought about this episode about this comic, if you want to let us know, please don't talk about any more comics. Or you want to say, yeah. yes, oh, I can't wait for you to talk about more mm-hmm. comics. We'd love to hear all that stuff. And you can get in contact with us on Twitter at clockworkscast email us clockworkscast at gmail.com or we're also on facebook we're on reddit we're on a few other things the links for all those things will be instagram instagram yes for email on instagram uh the links for all those things will be in the show notes so uh and if you like this show you can please rate and review it on apple podcast that makes us happy and helps other people find the show and you can also support us at patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you can kick us a dollar a month or so or more. And that'll help us make other things and do other things. And I think I definitely will make it be a Patreon goal that we'll read all the rest of these comics. Um, we have a extremely high Patreon goal, by the way, that we're, we're years from meeting. But a high up Patreon goal is for us to do a whole new podcast series about avatar the last airbender so if you want that to happen tell your friends and uh (laughs) you know yep that's a goal that we're gonna get to eventually all right let's wrap this puppy up okay (laughs) i've been paul moffat i've been jam moffat goodbye